And so I want to just tell you, as I get ready to preach today, I'm pretty excited about what I get to preach about because there's been a deep ministry that God's done in me in preparing to preach the Word to you today. Now, today is the last of of a series that we've been in, five different weeks where we've been in this series called, God, Who Do You Think You Are? And if you you kind of miss part of this, let me mention two things to you. The first thing I'd mention to you is that if ever you miss a, a message and you want to catch up with us here at Harvest Point, our messages are always on our website or they're on, on iTunes. You can subscribe to our podcast there. And folks who are traveling, they, they text me and let me know. Uh, one guy told me last week, while we were in worship, he listened to two of my sermons. And I was on the way home and I was like, wow, he told me about what he had listened to. So uh, that's the first thing. Don't ever miss a message you can catch it back up on with wonderful technology. And the second thing is, God, who do you think you are? This series is on the names of God. God wanted to communicate who he was to his people. He has an understanding of who he is. And there are these moments in Scripture where God wanted just to stop them and teach them something about himself. And so we studied different names along the way. Now, as by way of the last week and just making sure you got it, because next week I'll be on to something else, remember what we said about the names of God. God's name is a gateway to God relationally. If you know God's name and you know the different ways in, uh, that he gives us his name, all of a sudden you have a different facet of understanding of his character and who God is. You, you, and then secondly, the Bible says we are supposed to call on the name of the Lord. Well, God has given us more than a hundred names for who he is because he is so vast and one name can't hold it all. And so you have to really know the names of God if you're going to call on those names. Now, we've only discussed five, and I could have done, uh, you know, uh, two years of sermons to cover all more than a hundred, right? We've only done five. I hope that this series has increased your hunger and your thirst to know more about those names and made you want to study them more. Let me go back real quickly. What are those names we have studied together? You remember that first week? Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is our peace. When you're going through a hard time in your life and you need peace, you need to cry out to Jehovah Shalom, Prince of Peace, be in my home, be in my work right now. We study the name Jehovah Mekadesh. Remember that? The one who makes us holy. He, and so when you, when you are far from God and you need God to come and cleanse you and make you holy, bring you to a place of holiness, that's the name to cry out. Jehovah Mekadesh. That's who our God is. He is the one who cleanses us and makes us holy. Then we studied Jehovah Tzidkenu. Jehovah Tzidkenu is the Lord our righteousness. And what we meant by that, what, what God would taught us in that is not only is God the standard for what is right and wrong, but he is the one who makes us righteous like his son is righteous. I was out last week, but last week we studied Jehovah Jireh. Remember that? The Lord our provider. When you are in need and you, you can't see a solution to meet your needs, then you cry out to who you know God is. Jehovah Jireh. You call on that name. Now today we're going to study the name Jehovah Rophe. And that is the Lord is our healer. Now, before we get into the scripture that we're going to study, let me remind you that every time God gives a name, it's always in the midst, in the context of one particular story. Uh, I, I, that very first week, I taught you a German word, Sitzenleben, a uh, situation in life is that, that German word, Sitzenleben, and every time God gives a name, it's always in a 
situation in life. The Hebrew people, a lot of these, these scriptures we've studied in the last five weeks, the Old Testament, the Hebrew people are journeying, and they journey to a place, and God kind of stops them in that moment. And he sees it as an opening to teach them something about himself, and he says, now here's who I am. Today, in today's story, you're going to see the people have a journey, they're on the move, and then all of a sudden God comes to a teaching place, he stops them, and he says, here is my name, Jehovah Rophe. And here's the beauty of all that. Listen, you are going to go through a lot of sits and labans. You're going to go through a lot of situations in life. You're going to go through high moments and low moments. You're going to have moments where you're following strong and hard after God. You know you're in the center of God's will. And you're going to have moments where you just feel like you have drifted off into the ditch. You know what I'm talking about? In every sits and laban, in every situation in life, there is a name for God that you can call on. So it's so important that you know God's names and that you can call on him to be mighty in that moment. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. That's where this situation in life happens. Exodus chapter 15, and we are going to dive right into the scripture. Now, as you're turning there, maybe in your Bibles or in your iPads or whatever, um, as you're turning there, let me mention that some people call this the miracle after the miracle. Exodus 15 is sometimes called the miracle after the miracle because this miracle takes place immediately after the the children of Israel come through the Red Sea escaping from, from Egypt. You remember that story, right? Moses goes and he rescues the people from Egypt after all these plagues. They finally make it to the Red Sea. You remember that passage? And they have no way out. And the Egyptian army is closing in, and they are at the Red Sea. They have no visible solution to their problem. And what does God do? God parts the sea in front of them. They walk across on what? Dry ground. They walk across on dry ground, and then he closes in the waters to capture the Egyptian army, and they are rescued. A beautiful passage, and that's where we pick up in Exodus 15. The people of God have been delivered. But now here's the key. What have they been delivered to? They have been delivered from Egypt. And we know where they're going to. They're going to the promised land, what what might be called Canaan land. You know, you've heard it. They're they're going to a land that is today, present-day Israel. That's going to be the land God promised for them. But in the middle of the deliverance from and the arrival to, there is the through. They have to go through a wilderness. Okay, And so the only other side of that Red Sea was a wilderness. And that's where we're going to be talking about this morning. That was the very situation in life that God wanted to teach them about this name of God. You got your Bibles. I'm going to pick up in Genesis chapter 15. and going to just take it verse by verse, but we're going to go kind of quick, okay? Verse 15, verse 19. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Let me just pause there for a minute. By the way, in this series, I don't have any fill in the blanks. I don't have any notes that I'm inviting you to necessarily fill in. I'm just giving you some blank spaces. So if I share something, it might be new to you, or it might be something you think is of importance, jot that down. And more importantly, if God says something to you, write that down, maybe in big bold letters, okay? That's the most important thing, okay? So the Bible says that in the midst of their problem, God delivered a way. And the way for them was walking on dry ground. Now, guys, 
Uh, I, my wife kids me about this. I think, I think when I get to heaven, God's going to have these moments like, like literally CGI where I can, I can be there with them. I wonder what it's going to be like. I, I, I dream in my mind, and I know heaven's going to be so much greater than this, right? But I dream in my mind what it would be like to actually walk with the Israelites across the dry ground going, I know this is the ocean floor. I know this is the sea floor. But look, it's hard. It wasn't muddy. And they walked across on dry ground. It made it in the scripture because it was a part of the miracle that it was dry ground. And then they come out on the other side. Now, this is beautiful. They come out of their bondage, their slavery, and they go through the waters to a place of deliverance. When they're on the other side of that river, of that sea, they're free. All right. They're no longer slaves anymore. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? I mean, none of us can to see the miracle of God spread apart like that, walk through it, see God close your enemy up in it, and then you stand on the other side speechless? I mean, is that the way you would be? I don't know what I would feel like. We get a picture of what happened in them, though, okay? So the Bible says, look at that next verse. The Bible says in verse uh, 20, then Miriam, here we're talking about some ladies, all right? The ladies led the job here. The ladies led the course, all right? Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel, to tambourine, in her hand, and all the women went out um, after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Have you ever seen God do something so big all you wanted to do was dance? I mean, yes, no. Some of you, you'd have to honestly say no. I mean, you, you, you just don't feel like you dance. That, if, I, if I saw God do the greatest thing, I mean, what am I going to do? The, you know, the Macarena? I mean, I, I, I don't know how to dance, Stephen. But let me tell you, I've seen God do some big things, and I've seen God do some small things. I mean, I remember one time God having a kidney stone go on out, and I was doing a little jig in my own bathroom, you know? I was, oh, go God, you know? Here's what I want to tell you, guys. There must have been so much joy welling up inside of them. The Bible doesn't even give credit to what the men do. I don't know what the men were doing. You know, walking around going, hey, oh, you know, oh, good God. The ladies are dancing, all right? The ladies are worshiping. A little praise service breaks out, all right? The ladies start worshiping God. They start dancing. They start singing. It's, it's, it's one of those moments where God shows up he frees you, and all of a sudden, all you can do is start the jig, right? I mean, they were dancing. They were cutting a rug. They were free. They were really free. And they'd seen God rescue them from the very people who had beaten them, right? How cool is that? Praise and worship service breaks out. Now, look at the next verse, verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. And then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. That's that, that, that through part, right? They went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Let me just pause right there. You might want to circle that if you can circle that in your, in your notes or in your Bible there. They went three days looking for water. All right? They were looking for water. They were needing water. They were thirsty for water and they didn't have any water three days. All right? Look at the next verse. The Bible says then in verse uh, 23, now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah 
for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. That's Hebrew for bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Now, I just want to draw some parallels here. I want you to gather a couple of things. First thing I want you to gather is they had just come through water three days before, right? And God did a big thing with water. And now, three days, they're thirsty and they can't find water, all right? And then they come up on some water. So there's water on this side and they come finally to some water here. And they come with great expectation when they get to this little oasis of Mara, right? But the Bible says the water is bitter. Now, that's what my Bible says. Different translations may say it different way. One translation may say it was polluted. It was corrupt. It was unusable. It was undrinkable. It was infested. This water they finally make it to that they are so thirsty for, they finally make it to it, and they can't even use it. And so what did they do? They begin to complain, right? Who did they complain to? Well, the Bible says they complained against Moses. I kind of picked that up like finger pointed in your chest. What in the world did you bring us out here for? Now we're going to die of thirst out in the wilderness, right? They complained against Moses. Now I want you to catch the dichotomy going on here, all right? Just three days before, it's all worship and dancing, right? And now three days later, they're complaining. They went from, oh God, you can do anything, you are so good, to I am tired of this. I'm hot, I'm sweaty, where's the water? They were going, this is, I'm I'm done with this. Where's our water to drink? We're not going to make it, we're going to die out here in the wilderness. And that bitter, undrinkable, polluted, sick Water is what God uses to do some, to a good work in their life, all right? And interestingly enough, don't forget, water over there and water here. Can I just hit the pause button for a minute? You know where we're going. God is going to teach them His name. His name is Jehovah Rophe. He's the one who heals us. But have you ever thought about how much sickness we have in our country here in America. Just think in the, in the borders of our seas and, and our northern and southern. Have you ever thought about how many hospitals we have? About how many urgent care places we have? How many clinics, uh, para-hospital type places that we have? Have you ever thought about how many people not only have physical sickness, but they have mental sickness and relational sickness and emotional sickness? You know how many, how many psychiatrists and how many psychologists we have in America? There are so many people who are hurting and who are sick, who, who struggle with either, either their physical health or their mental health or their relational health or their, their social health. They struggle for wellness in their lives. Now, I want you to notice, God brings them to some very sick Water, to some very polluted, infested, bitter, nasty water. We've all seen bitter, nasty water, right? You ever, I mean, nasty stuff, you wouldn't even begin to touch it, much less put it in your body. This is that water. And he's brought them here to teach them a lesson. So, they had just seen what God could do with water. And three days later, they're grumbling. And here's the question. You might want to write these notes down. Here's the question. Why are they grumbling? Why do they start grumbling? And the answer to the question is pretty simple. They have a problem with no visible solution. 
They have a problem and they can't see a way out. And guess what? What's interesting is they had just three days before stood on the banks of the Red Sea and they had had a problem with no visible solution. And God did his work, right? Even in the midst of their problem where they could not see a way out, they had no way out, God made a way out. Now, three days later, they're thirsty, they don't have any water, and they arrive at this sick water, and they start grumbling. Why? Because they have a problem, they're thirsty, they're they're so thirsty, and they don't have a visible solution. Just a real quick point here that I might want to remember, and that's simply this. It does not take long for us to forget God's good work in our life. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, in three short days, they have forgotten the power of God to deliver them. In three short days, they have, they've moved from their dancing place to their grumbling place. Why? Simply because they have forgotten what God can do in their life. And that, listen, when there is no visible solution, you have one, you, you, you hold on to one who has the power to do imaginably more than you can expect or, or, or dream. But in that moment, when you can't see your visible solution, what is the modus operandi, the mode of operation that we normally go into? Complaining, grumbling. I don't see any way out of this, God. You know, they had forgotten what God could do. And in forgetting what God could do, they ended up in a moment in life, a sitzenleben, a situation in life where they got bitter. They got no different than that water. They got bitter. And by the way, can I just hit a little pause button here real quickly and just ask a question? I wonder how many of us have gotten to a situation in our life where life doesn't taste so good, and life doesn't smell so good, and life doesn't feel so good. And we kind of wanted to shake a hand at God and say, God, I don't understand why you led me here. Let me say that a little differently. I'm wondering how many of us, if we were really honest with ourselves, have gotten to our situation in life and we, we became bitter at the core of who we are. I mean, I've had a lot of people be very honest with me and say, you know what, when I got to that place, I got mad at God. And you know what I've told them before? I said, do you know that's quite all right? Listen, there's a moment in my life where I had to shake my fist at God when my daddy got cancer. I was only 20 years old and he was 52 years old. And I shook my fist at heaven and you know what I think? I had a long conversation with God when I was so upset with him. But I learned that God's big enough to take my little fist waving. You know what I mean? I learned that God's big enough for me to get angry and bitter and to completely misunderstand what he's doing in my life. I learned that he's big enough not to change his feelings and his care and his love for me just because I get mad at him. By the way, any daddy or mama ought to know that, right? You know how many times your kids got mad at you? And you looked at him and you said, well, you can get mad. You can get glad in the same pants you got mad in. I mean, you, 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 you can get mad at me if you want to. I love you. I got a bigger picture. I know more about you than you know about yourself. You know what I mean? So these people, they met this place and they got angry with God. In three short days, they had forgotten what God could do and what God did do in looking after them. And they got bitter. Now, here's the question. Verse 25. Why did all this happen? Read it with me in verse 25. Why did, God, why did God lead them to this place? Oh, I've got to start in verse 24 first. I've got to finish that. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Verse 25. So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Here's the miracle after the miracle. The Lord showed him a tree, 
That's kind of like some translations say a log or a post, all right? He showed him some kind of big piece of wood. Showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there God made a statute and an ordinance for them. I want to underline this part. These five or six words, five words. And there he tested them. I want to underline that. Why did God allow them to come tomorrow? It's very simple. It's a test, all right? The waters, the bitter waters are a test. Now get the picture. These people have seen God do phenomenal things in Egypt. He's led them through the Red Sea, and the first thing he's going to do with them is lead them after three days of thirsting to a place called Mara, where the water can't be, it's undrinkable, and he is going to test them. It's right there in the scripture. There he tested them. The water was the means of the testing. Now, my wife is a teacher, and she, she's taught me some things along our marriage. And one of the things that she's taught me is that when children enter a classroom, anytime they're tested, they're supposed to be tested in a way that all of them have mastered what the teaching, okay? Um, they need to have mastered it. And the goal is that, I mean, the, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world, that teacher would teach so well, and those students would pay attention so well, they would learn it so well, that when they took the test, 100% of them would make 100%. They would have mastered the subject content in a perfect world. Let me say that a little differently. How about you? When you took a test in school, were you like me, that whenever you took a test, it was, you were supposed to be about all the stuff you had learned, you know? You, you had learned this, learned that, learned this, learned that, and then when you took a test, the test was over the stuff you'd already supposed to have learned, Right? Now, this is the way it works with God, too, okay? These people were supposed to have learned something about God in Egypt. These people were supposed to have learned something about God crossing over on dry ground. And the first thing he brings them to is water that can't be used. And it's testing time. And God's about to find out whether the people were just, whether whether they were paying attention or whether they were just saying amen, you know, whether they were paying attention or they were just nodding. I mean, were you really looking and learning of what God can do? Because now it's test time, all right? He brings them to this bitter water, and it's testing day. This is huge. By the way, let me just real quickly give you a point. Whenever you feel like you're being tested in your life, you ever felt that before? I felt like that with God before. I felt like God was testing me. Here's what you need to remember. Whenever you feel like you're being tested, remember this. When the student is tested, it's supposed to be about stuff they already know. So you need to go back to what you know about God when you walk through the test. Am I making any sense? When you get to a place of testing, you need to remember what God has done. And when you're going through that testing... It's over stuff that you have to have already remembered. Now, what they had learned in the past was that God can do any impossible things, right, with water. He can make water stand up. He can make mud strong and solid. He can do the impossible. And in this moment, watch what happens. God tells Moses, see that tree sitting over there? I want you to go pick it up. And when you grab it, I want you to throw it into the water. And he picks up the log. He goes over. Oh, sorry. He goes over and he throws it into the water. Now, has anybody ever seen a tree make polluted water, disgusting water, throw a tree in there and all of a sudden it makes the water good? No, that's not natural. That's not normal, is it? 
It's not normal. It's not natural. Because God can do beyond the normal and beyond the natural, right? And so God tells Moses, take the tree, go throw it into that sick water, and watch how I make it well. Are you hearing me? Take something very unnatural and watch what I can do when you throw it into the sick place. I can make it whole. I can make it good. I can make it drinkable water for you. And so when God, listen, when God puts you in a situation and you can't see a way out, when God puts you in a situation and there is no visible solution to your problem, here's what you need to remember. Listen, remember this. You need to remember that he doesn't want you to see a visible solution. He doesn't, if he wanted you to see a visible solution, he'd show it to you. But when you end up at a dead-end street and you got no way out, you ever been there before? You had a bill due and you didn't know how you was going to pay it and you had no way around that bill? You ever been in a situation where you just, you, you needed a job and you tried every means you could to get a job and there was no visible solution to your job? Let me, can I just, I'm going to say it again. The reason you can't see a visible solution is because he doesn't want you to see a visible solution. He wants you to trust in him. Am I making any sense to you? Are you listening? So when you come to that place of testing and there's no visible solution, it is, that, it is like that because God wants you to turn to him. He doesn't want you to do what's natural to you. He doesn't want you to seek after your own salvation that moment or your own rescue. He wants you to turn to him. And then God will say, listen, I can take something that doesn't even make sense to other people and I can turn it around for you. I can make it life for you. I mean, my goodness, they had just been through the Red Sea. There was no way out there, right? Now they end up at Mara. There's no way out. They don't have a visible solution. And God is saying, listen, uh, the reason I'm not providing you a visible solution is because I want to be your solution. I want to be your source. I want you to turn to me and say, okay, God, I've tried everything I can. Please save me. And it's in that moment that God wants to show up and show out. Does that make sense? So what happens? Verse 26, watch this. The Bible says there he tested them. And here's God's word. God said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and you do what is right in his sight and you give ear to his commandments and you keep all his statutes, I will put, you might want to underline this, this is big, I will will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. In the Hebrew it says, For I am Jehovah Rophe. I am the one who heals you. Now, what I want you to gather here is that it was at Mara, at this diseased water, that God stops him. It's this situation in life. It's this situation in Laban that God stops him. And it's almost like God wants to do this. God wants to say, stop, stop. You, you've just seen how I made sick water well. Stop and learn something about me. I want to share a name with you that I've never told you before about myself. I want to share part of who I am that I've never disclosed. And it's right here at Mara that I want to teach you about me. And before he even tells them, 
Here is my name, Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord who heals you. He reminds them of back there. Remember? He says, if you will listen to me, if you'll give me your heart, if you'll follow long and hard after me, if you will walk with me and do life my way, I will, I'll make you a promise today. Do you remember all that trash, all that baggage, all those plagues, all those diseases that I caused on the Egyptians? Do you remember that? Now, can we hit the pause button right here for a minute? Listen, what they had seen was amazing. Ten plagues. I mean, they had seen frogs and lice. They had seen blood and water. They had seen stuff that would make you sick, but they'd also seen stuff that would make you sick. You know what I mean? They had seen some bad stuff. And don't miss the words. God said, all of those diseases that you saw me put on them, pause. I mean, have you ever thought about the fact that God put diseases on the unrighteous Egyptians? You ever thought about that? Why, Stephen? Why would God do such a thing to these unrighteous people? Because they were, they were fully, wholeheartedly against God. They were full of idolatry. And here's the good news. Listen, if the Egyptians had turned to Yahweh, if the Egyptians had turned to our God, even they would have been saved. If they wouldn't have had hard hearts and idolatry so much in their culture, even they would have been saved. But they had hard hearts and they were, they were worshiping their own gods. And because of that, God, right in front of His own people, put diseases on them and His people saw the diseases. And now at this moment, God looks at them and He says, do you remember those diseases that I brought on them, that I brought on the unrighteous? Do you remember that? Listen, here's my word. I look at this like a, a dad or a mom talking to their child, hoping for all the best for their future. God looks at them and he says this. That's not my plan for you. Oh, my plan for you is blessing. My plan for you is a promised land. I, I have all the best for you. But the only way you're ever going to get that is if you, you listen to my words and you walk and talk with me. You don't walk away from me and you don't follow idols. If you will stay with me, if you will be righteous and walk right by my side, I will keep all those diseases and all that junk. You so I'll keep that off of you. For I am Jehovah Rophe. I'm the one who heals you. About to get real up in this place, all right? Over here, you have the righteous. You have the people who believe God for who He is. They hold the Bible in their hand and they say, teach me, God. I want to walk after your statutes and I want to do what you just challenge your people to do. I want to have good ears. I want to hear your voice. And I want to give you my life and I want to walk with you daily. That's the picture of the righteous. Over here is the picture of the unrighteous. The unrighteous are people who say, I want things to be my way. I'm going to be the captain of my ship. I'm going to do what I want to do. Now, there are some people who will tell you that if you're in this camp over here, you're in the righteous camp, and you're following long and hard after God, and you're walking in His will every day, there are some people who will tell you, listen, listen, life's always going to be great for you. You're never going to have any problems. You're going to have money in your pocket, and you're never going to get sick. And they have all these thoughts about the righteous. 
But here's what I want to tell you. When those folks get sick, they, they, they try to keep in private. They don't let anybody know they're sick because they've been telling you that, that righteous people don't ever get sick, okay? And here's what I want to tell you, and you might want to write it down in notes somewhere. Even the righteous can be standing in the middle of God's will, and they can be needing, and they can be lacking. That's them in the Bible. They were in the very middle of God's will. They had just crossed across the Red Sea. They were in the wilderness. That God, they were moving towards where God wanted to move. And they were, in the, they were the righteous, and they were in the middle of God's will. And even the righteous standing in the middle of God's will can go through testing, can go through struggle, can go through lack, can get thirsty, can get hungry, and don't know where their next meal is going to be. Even the righteous can be in that place, in that place of testing. Are you with, listening? Are you with me? Now, here's what I want to tell you. There are, I think what God's saying in this moment is, listen, I want you to learn. I want you to walk with me. I want you to always live in that righteous pursuit of me. But you're going to be tempted when you get around unrighteous people. You're going to be tempted to start living like they do and thinking the way they do and having their worldview. He's saying if that happens, listen. If that happens, if you walk this way, I'm going to be your healer as you move along. And every time something happens, I'm going to be there for you to do that which is even the most unnatural. I will bring healing to you. But if you adopt their stuff, if you take on their stuff, listen, it's not going to be good for you. That's my best. This won't be good for you. Let me say it a little differently. Guys, I think there's a... I think there's a Natural fall that we've had on our earth because of sin. Uh, we, we call it, you know, the, the, the corporal sin of the earth. When Adam and Eve bit that apple, there's sin. And our world's not right, okay? And I could preach a whole message on sin and evil and suffering and all that kind of stuff. But here's what you know, need to know. The Bible says that when sin entered the world, everything kind of went cattywampus, Okay? And that's why we have things like hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. That's why we have something called cancer. Because sin has entered our world and we don't live in a perfect world anymore. And what I want to tell you is you can be fully righteous and you can be in the middle of God's will and you can go through some sickness because of that, okay? And I don't know that, I, I'm talking about sometimes that's, that could be physical sickness or that could be something going on with your thought life and you can't get out of it. It can be an addiction. It can be all kinds of sickness that can come into your world. Because, listen, we live in a fallen world. Now, there is another type of sickness that comes into our world. Because the righteous start adopting the worldview and the cultures and the mindsets of the unrighteous. And I kind of consider it like, if that's the fall, let's call this the double fall. I mean, if I'm righteous... And I've got to, I know I live in an imperfect world. And until heaven comes, I live in a sin-driven world, right? But when I start adopting the worldviews of different idols and different things, practices, other stuff, when I bring that stuff into my world, I am inviting myself to participate in a totally different level of sickness. If you don't know that, just go to your, Chuck, I should get you to talk today, right? Just go to your local addiction place where you've had the blood-bought child who received Christ at a young age and were marked out the right way, and then somewhere along the way, they just started getting back over to the worldview of the Egyptians. They started taking on those practices and those cultures, all those things, and they brought into that world not just the regular sicknesses they would have, they took all kinds of 
junk that was beyond their body, whether alcohol, drugs, whatever they could find, to start trying to meet holes in their life. And they got sick upon sick, a double fall. They got really sick. And what I want you to watch here is that God is saying, listen to his children. He's saying, listen, I don't want you to be there. And if you've adopted the, the worldview and the culture and the, some of the thoughts and the junk of the unrighteous, listen, I want you to walk over here because I want to be your healing one. I want to be Jehovah Rophe for you. He's teaching them a lesson. Here's the lesson. As you're on the way to the promised land, you're going to meet a bunch of people. You're going to meet the Amalekites, the Jebusites, the... the, the uh, Oh, I can't even think of them all. You're going to meet a whole bunch of people, right? And they're going to be doing junk, total junk that I never planned for you. And they won't honor me at all. And if you start following after their pattern, I just don't want that for you because you'll have all that double fall sickness in your world. And you were never meant for that. You were never meant for that. God is saying... I don't want that for you. So, in that place, they hear this word. I don't know if they really understood the word at the moment, but he gave them a visual metaphor of sick water made well. All right? Now, here's the next piece. Let's go on, okay? Watch this. Watch how cool God is. It says... Um, in, uh, in verse 26, verse 26, he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, and keep all the statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rophe. Now watch this. Then they came to Elam. They, they moved on beyond Marah, and they came to Elam. All right. Then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Now, here's the cool part. I'm going to invite my worship team to come up here because I'm about to close, but you got to watch this. I almost didn't put verse 27 in there, and then I kicked myself. Verse 27 is incredible because God moves them beyond the sick water, teaches them a lesson, says, I'm your healing one. I will bring healing into your body. I will bring healing to your life. And then, guess what the next place is? They go right up the road, and they move to a place called Elam. And the Bible says, put the scripture up there, please. Uh, the Bible says there were 12 wells of water. Anybody know how many tribes of Israel there were? 12 tribes of Israel. It meant that every tribe had their own, their own water. By the way, not just regular water. There were 12 wells of water. Some passages say springs of water. Do you know what a spring is? What's a spring? The spring comes out and keeps on coming. It's new, right? There were 12 wells of water, or there were 12 springs of water. Watch this. And there were 70 palm trees. So it's like this. Picture with me all these Israelites now in Elam. They're drinking water. Everybody's got their own little water hole, you know, and they're sitting under palm trees and they got shade and they're eating the fruit off the palm trees and they're going, oh, God's good again. You know, you remember? I mean, just three days before that, they were having a whole dance party, right? God's good. Oh, grumble, grumble, grumble. God says, no, 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 no. You've missed who I am. He teaches them who he is. He's Jehovah Rophe, right? He shows them he's his healer. And then what does he do? He brings them to a new place called Elam. I like this, by the way. And by the way, I'm going I'm to walk through that journey one more time because I really want you to get it. But the Bible says for you 
in the Gospel of John that you can have your own spring of water. Did you know that? The Bible says that the Holy Spirit has been given to every believer, and if you trust in Jesus Christ, you can have the Holy Spirit in you, which will be springs of living water coming from you. Are you with me? Watch this. Red Sea. What's the lesson God does on them? I don't know if it's a lesson as much as it is just flat deliverance. He delivers them from their bondage and their slavery. They march for three days. They've been delivered. Now they get tested at Mara. What does he teach them? He teaches them, listen, from day one, I'm your Abba. I'm your daddy. And I want you to walk with me all your life. And you're going to stumble and you're going to fall. But I want to be Jehovah Rophe for you. I want to be the healing one. And when life is not well and life is bitter and it's tough, I don't want you to grumble. By the way, that's when you know you're failing the test when you're complaining, okay? I don't want you to grumble and I don't want you to complain. I want you to look at me. When there's no visible solution and you're hitting your problem, I want you to look at me because I am Jehovah Rophe. Cry out to me. I'm the healing one. He delivers them at the Red Sea. He teaches them at Mara something about who he is. And then he takes them to Elam. And he shows that he can provide for them abundantly more than they can even ask or imagine. He can give them 12 springs of water and palm trees to sit under. And he can give them fruit to live on. Do you hear what I'm saying, guys? God's path for you is a path of righteousness. And if there's a place where you've adopted some cultures, some customs, some worldviews of the Egyptians, and you're experiencing maybe even literally physical sickness in your body, then today, when I call for the altar call, you should be one of the first ones down here today that says, I'm bankrupting that crap. Excuse me. That junk. I don't even say that word. I don't know where that... I'm bankrupting. That's what it is. I'm bankrupting that dung. You know, I'm bankrupting that stuff. No more. No, that's not who I was meant to be. I'm going that way. I'm going to follow long and hard after him. I'm going to listen for his voice. I'm going to walk and step with him every day. And when I hit the problems, and I know I will. Jesus said, in this life you're going to have troubles. When I hit the problems, I will turn to him and I will say, I will call out to the name that I've learned and that I know. Jehovah Rophe, heal me. Heal me now. If you're one of those folks who would say, you know what, life did get a little tough for me and I've gotten bitter and I hadn't even wanted to admit it. Today when I open up the altar, I want to invite you just to kind of come and lay that bitterness down. Lay that old stuff down and be made whole. And maybe you, maybe you have a physical sickness in your body. And today we have a service of healing here, okay? That's what we've got. Jehovah Rophe, the Lord, our healer. We have a service of healing today. And maybe you just want to come and the elders of the church will be here. If you have a sickness in your body, you ask them to anoint you with oil and you together with the elders, you cry out for Jehovah Rophe, the Lord who heals me. Whatever it might be. You might, there might be some folks here. You've got a sin that nobody knows about. It was something you did when you were young. And you have held on to that stuff and, and Satan has been barking in your ear all those years saying, oh, everybody else. Everybody else can experience the goodness of God, not you. You remember what you did? Listen, today, let it go. Bring it to the cross. Lay it on Jesus. Let him bear 
those things. And you pick up his garment of righteousness for you. Well, time for this preacher to be quiet. But you know what? God's been talking to a bunch of people in this place. And today is your day of healing. Today is your day to have Jehovah Rophe come in and do for you what nobody else can. Can I invite the elders of our church to come forward? And I'm going to just invite them to create four different stations here. One here and one here. One here. And one there at the end. And I want to invite you to come. You want prayer today? You want to lay down something at the altar? You're welcome to come and just pray. Come to here. Right here. Come over here with Gretchen. I want to invite you to come and pray with these folks that are here, okay? Be prayed over. Tell them what your need is. Tell them where you're at. Let them pray for you. And then in the little spaces in between, Al, get way out there for me. In the little spaces in between, if you just want to come in between them here and you just want to pray and kneel, kneel before God and, and talk with God about anything that you need healing over, you make this your altar. God delivers us. He teaches and He tests us. But I think God's will is for us is an Elam. That He wants for His children more than they can even ask or imagine. Why don't you come today and ask of your Father, Jehovah Rophe, for what you need. Come. The altar's open. Come and be prayed over. Come on. Come on. This is your church. This is your place to come and talk with God.